Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Welcome to News Data's Energy West podcast. I'm your host, Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up, and my regular co-host, Jason Fordney, is out today. So joining me is Abigail Sawyer, uh, my colleague and associate editor at California Energy Markets. Abigail, how are you doing today? Doing well. Good to be here, Dan. That's great. And I, uh, Jason now, he's down in San Diego today, right? He's at That's the... Right. Yeah, he's covering the Krepsi YRAB meeting. And of course, everybody knows what Krepsi YRAB stands for. So I don't have to explain that at all. Nope. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> and I actually, I I know the the entity and I actually registered to, well, then I've been listening into this and I even had to go, uh, been listening into their meeting today. And I had to go look it up. Um, <laughs> so it is the Committee on Regional Electric Power, Krepsi and the Western Interconnection Regional Advisory Body, YRAB. So basically they bring together state regulators, agencies, consumer advocates, power utilities, industry, blah, 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 uh, other critical players in the energy industry in the Western United States and Canadian provinces. Um, and there, there's some the agenda this at this meeting chock full of some really interesting topics about organized markets, renewable hydrogen, resource adequacy, and so on. Wow. So um, really looking forward to Jason's coverage and I, I'll probably be writing up some of it as well, but Excellent. Um, yeah, a lot of, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we have somebody out there, you know, ready to actually meet people face to face again and uh, learn what's happening. Cause so much is going on and a lot really happens in real time at these sorts of things. So I'm really glad Jason's able to make it. I'm glad yeah. I can be here. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to have you. Uh and so uh how's how's everything in san francisco ah it's uh it's nice it's kind of windy today a little cool we don't know we don't know what to expect of the weather anymore but uh <laughs> yeah we get a little rain and then it all all the moisture blows away so uh well we'll see where that's gonna take us <laughs> i have to say i love san francisco uh you know i grew up outside boston so i it always kind of has a east coast city vibe to it it does, um, but I, and I, I always appreciate that. So I love visiting. I don't know when the next time I'm going to be down there is, um, but I'll, I'll certainly give you a ring next time do I'm that. down there. <laughs> do that. Bring the kids. Check out the Exploratorium. All that. Good the Exploratorium. Stuff. I don't know what is that. Oh, it's this awesome interactive science museum. So fun. Check it out online. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. See, listeners, tune in <laughs> for energy industry news and. Uh, you know, tips on what to visit when you go visit San Francisco. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got, we got everything. We got local experts here in yeah. all sorts of capacities. It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, so let's, I'm going to get us kicked off here um, with a story about speaking of market formation. So 15 Western utilities signed a letter recently saying that they want options when it comes to joining a day ahead market. The letter says the 15 utilities have agreed to work with the Southwest Power Pool over the next year to develop its Market Plus proposal, and that none of them will join either SPP's Market Plus proposal or California ISO's competing Extended Day Ahead Market proposal, uh, Extended Day Ahead Market or EDAM. So California or uh, yeah, California ISO just released its EDAM straw proposal last Thursday, April 28th. 
The letter was signed a few days earlier by nine Northwest utilities and another six major utilities across the West. So uh, how a day ahead market is governed is one of the utilities' major concerns among a list of other issues. EDAM is already, uh, the EDAM proposal is built off its successful, KISA's successful Western EIM, uh, the energy imbalance market, which has 17 participants, current active participants, another five on the way, covers 11 states, serving about 85% of the load in the West. And that's for short-term available energy to balance loads. SPP's Markets Plus proposal, uh, SPP expects to release a draft in September, followed by uh, asking participants to make a financial financially binding commitment to proceed in the first quarter of 2023. Uh, Last year, the Western Power Pool hired SPP to manage and help operate its Western Resource Adequacy Program, which allows participants, participating utilities, to share surplus capacity when demand is high and generation is tight. So Abigail, you just covered a story about markets, organized markets in Nevada. Well, yeah, actually, uh, this this pairs nicely because Nevada last week had their first RTO task force meeting. Essentially, a law passed in Nevada last year actually requires the state's major utility, NB Energy, which is a Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway-owned utility, to join an RTO or other organized market by 2030. But, you know, everyone's really looking toward that uh, 2030 or looking toward that Western RTO. And uh, legislation in Colorado also passed last last year has similar requirements for the large utilities in that state. So people are getting serious. And Nevada, the Nevada task force met for the first time last week on uh, Tuesday, on April 26th. And that brought 19 um, professionals of policy experts, politicians, um, labor, uh, general public folks all together to hear about largely what they were hearing about last week was uh, transmission plans that are already underway. Some transmission transmission developers gave some presentations. Uh, some environmental organizations were there to talk about the importance and the need to move toward a regional transmission organization to really make the best use of all this renewable development. So that was pretty exciting. Things are starting to get real and they definitely discussed the EDAM and the Markets Plus option. You know, things have been happening in between California and Arkansas, where SPP is <laughs> located, you know, so and, and where they're running, you know, the westernmost RTO right now. So it, it was a pretty lively conversation and lots is going to happen there, planning to get a report to the governor and legislature in Nevada by the end of November. So it'll be fun to see what unfolds. Yeah. One of uh, two of the entities that signed on to that letter, NV energy and the public service company of Colorado, Excel energy, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, they were two of the signatories on that letter that I covered. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is amazing to see how quickly conversation is moving ahead with organized markets. I mean, I know this is what the sixth, seventh, eighth kind of uh, momentum building behind potential markets um, and organized markets in the West. And all of them have foundered previously, but yeah, yeah, it seems like there's some real 
momentum here yeah. and some maybe practicality, pragmatism, where folks uh, realize that the needs of uh, the realities on the ground are going to help them get past some of the issues that they have uh, foundered on previously. Sure. I mean, yeah, you got to, things got to get real. We got to make the best use of the transmission that's there really, um, because it doesn't come on overnight. That's one thing we all know. And uh, not insignificant that uh, NB Energy and XL Colorado were on that letter, given that, you know, the law is behind them joining up when the, you know, for the decades over. So yeah, plenty happening. Yeah. Well, and uh, speaking of plenty happening, the U.S. Department of Interior announced that it has identified two areas off the Oregon coast for potential offshore wind development. The areas cover more than 1,800 square miles and represent a few gigawatts of potential wind uh, energy development. This is the first of its kind, uh, first identification of its kind uh, in the, at least in off the Oregon coast. There, there is one in California, the, the Department of Interior's Bureau of Ocean Energy Management is further along with, um, in terms of opening that area up to offshore wind development. But uh, both of these and a lot of similar efforts on the East Coast uh, to lease this area to wind developers is part of the Biden administration's goal to have 30 gigawatts of offshore wind energy in operation uh, by 2030. I should say that that's the Biden administration's goal. These leasing efforts, especially on the East Coast and the California thing, you know, have been going on for several years um, under the Obama and Trump administration. And the Biden administration has really uh, ratcheted up that that goal. So yeah. yeah, they're putting some hard numbers on it in terms of dates and and goals. So yeah, and let's see. I'm going to do a stretch here on segueing into our next story to highlight. So speaking of water, <laughs> you've got a development. We're going from offshore ocean water to clean water. Um, there's a latest, uh, there's some interesting coverage from Jason with the uh, Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. <laughs> Indeed. You yeah, like Jason's stretch yeah. there. No, well, you know, <laughs> it's, you it's, do all, it it's a big umbrella, LADWP. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> why not? So, yeah, there was an important development in the stories that Jason Fordney has been covering for a couple of years in CEM about corruption at LADWP involving its former general manager, David Wright, who last week was sentenced to six years in prison for accepting bribes. So uh, that was that was a big deal of the first punishment to take place in this ongoing scandal, which, you know, is, is pretty multifaceted, actually. Uh, Jason's called this the Tangled Web series. And in addition to the bribes that Wright uh, pled guilty for accepting, um, he, these bribes from a lawyer, Paul Paradis, who um, got Wright to get the 
utility to accept a $30 million no-bid contract for Paradise's company, Aventador Utility Solutions, which Wright also helped create and which incidentally is uh, named after a, some, lamb, uh, some model of Lamborghini. So <laughs> if that wow. doesn't, you know, just kind of scream corruption. Yeah, seriously, that's <laughs> right. keep a low profile. When a no-bid contract is going to a company named for a Lamborghini, you know, you maybe ought to turn over a few more pages. That's just, just a tip out there for anyone um, right. making making policy decisions. Pro tip. Scratching your head about that, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, uh, Wright was sentenced last week to six years, but there are a few more things uh, going on with that whole investigation, including this whistleblower from Riverside Public Utilities who where uh, Wright used to work. He used to manage that. And uh, whistleblower Jason Hunter has spoken before with Jason Fordney about Wright's involvement there and some other corruption um, there that involved illegal spending of funds through the Southern California Public Power Authority. So that is still unfolding. There are investigations underway, um, <laughs> none of which are straightforward. So it's hard to summarize, but you really <laughs> should come on over to news data and, and look that up because, you know, it's really it's really interesting to see some of this coming to a head. And uh, the, the third arm of the whole scandal is, is actually that there's a billing scandal involving oh, LADWP it just, customers. It just too. keeps keep going. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Jason has done a great job covering this. Like you said, uh, Tangled Web at his latest. So you had this story mm-hmm. at, available. It's News Data's website, CEM. Um, and then he also had a podcast with Jason Hunter that That's just right. dropped in in the feed for our podcast. So That's right. Listeners special. go check that out. Exactly on a yeah, it just came out Friday and it's like a half hour interview so a special episode of Energy West that looks into that. Yeah, some great material in that. Uh I really appreciate Jason's coverage overall. Just fascinating story. Uh I didn't realize that about the Lamborghini. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a fun little tidbit. And yeah. yeah, yeah, this uh, this is just like classic scandal. You, you know, you couldn't make it up. It would be a little overblown. So, <laughs> but, you know, Oceanside condos, fancy vacations, Lamborghinis, whatever. So it's go check it out, you. listeners. Yeah, you thought utility reporting was boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a, in a slower, you know, not to slow us down too much, but in a less flashy story, <laughs> uh, so there's some reporting this in our latest issue by Casey Mahaffey and the latest uh, issue of Clearing Up. Pacific Core and Klamath River Renewable Corporation want the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission to hurry up with its final environmental assessment for tearing down four dams on the lower Klamath River. Pacific Core and Klamath River Renewal want to start removing the dams by the beginning of 2024. So they're hoping that the assessment's out by September. And they expect removal to take about 20 minutes or 20 minutes. We wish 20 months. The dams provide less than 2% of Pacific Core's power portfolio and removing them will restore more than 400 miles of salmon spawning and rearing habitat. Wow. So you can follow more coverage from this. Uh, we'll read more about this story and look for future coverage from Casey Mahaffey at uh, Clearing Up. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. you get a lot of bang for your buck there. Speaking you know. of bangs, you've got <laughs> an update. You 
on an explosion down in California. Yeah. So there was an explosion all nearly a year ago at the Russell City Energy Center, a 600 megawatt gas fired power plant in Hayward, California, which is in the Bay Area over in the East Bay. And uh, just last week, we had reporting from Linda Daly Paulson about the California Energy Commission at its April 26th meeting having come up with a, a new approach for Calpine to get that unit back online. So uh, we don't have any any dates in here as to when exactly that's planning to go up, but they did have a series of actions that Calpine needs to take in order to bring that unit back into service. And they were after this explosion last year, which happened around midnight, fortunately, because it shot debris out as far as 1,200 feet. <laughs> and, you know, it hit a, a food trailer that was nearby that often serves uh, some homeless folks and things like that. So being midnight, it didn't injure anybody, thank goodness, but uh, definitely caused some property damage and, you know, led to an investigation. And here it was going right into peak summer. So they, they, did some things to patch stuff up and get the plant back online, but I believe not that unit. So working toward a, a new recovery there to get another dose of resources into the summer mix, which is always and increasingly tight <laughs> yeah. year to year, it seems. So so that's kind of interesting. Calpine, for, for their part, said they, they agreed to the CEC's conditions. They said they'll comply, but they, they don't agree to their assessment of what the failure was. They've maintained mm. since it happened that it was, the issue was with the design of, of this unit. And they said that their failure is uh, in signing off on that design. So I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do to address all of that, but you know, we're going to try to get back into generating without generating any more explosions. I think this is the overall aim here. So interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, our lead story last week. figuring out what that, what caused it and getting those um, getting generation back online, both hugely important. Yeah. So uh, what, what are you guys covering? Anything you're covering this week that you can tell listeners about? Well, you know, some exciting stuff happening in California. Um, late last week, California Governor Gavin Newsom said he is actually looking at uh, getting a share of the U.S. Department of Energy's $6 billion that has been recently put out there to maybe shore up and, you know, use the words rescue aging nuclear reactors for uh, Diablo Canyon in California. So um, there'll definitely be something to look forward to on that. Um, see what, see where that's headed because we have, we have the one nuclear reactor, which Newsom, uh, has said might be needed to meet our, our emissions goals. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, nuclear is getting a second wind here, second life, um, yeah. in terms of, uh, all those renewables we're bringing online. And I'm going to use that as a segue into some coverage that I've got, uh, in our upcoming issue of clearing up. So Idaho Power, we've got two little tidbits here that are related. Idaho Power has asked state regulators in, in Idaho to approve its plans to install uh, 120 megawatts of battery storage, and which will be the first large-scale energy storage project in Idaho. And then over in Oregon, Avangrid Renewables 200 megawatt Golden Hills Wind Farm project has started commercial operations uh, as of Friday, last Friday, and 
it is its output is going to Puget Sound Energy, which has a huge hole to fill as it transitions to uh, and decarbonizes its power supply uh, in accordance to meet Washington State clean energy renewable uh, clean energy mandates. Sorry, mm-hmm. so I'll have more coverage on those in the upcoming issue of Clearing Up. And you can find more from me at uh, at Clearing Up and check out uh, and on Twitter um, at dcatchpole on Twitter. And actually, speaking of Twitter, I have our first bit of listener news, which is exciting. That is. Uh, please hit us up if you've got questions. So this is from Micah Babbitt at Micah Babbitt. Um, on Twitter, he asked me, I said, just listen to the weekly rap podcast. I've been enjoying it. Uh, thank you, Micah. Uh, I'd be curious to hear more info on Bitcoin miner activities in Washington. Seems like Texas has been capturing all of their demand recently. I've said, yeah, you know, it has been interesting to see the drop off in applications and in interest uh, as these utilities with super cheap electricity in central Washington have uh, a bunch of them have instituted or adopted high load um, basically uh, high higher rates to target uh, Bitcoin mining cryptocurrency mining they you know have had to kind of massage the the criteria for the rates to make sure that they're not uh, you know predatory or, or biased but uh, it's Essentially, a lot of these rates are built on high load industries that are unproven, that are not like established industries mm. uh, and don't have like a big capital investment tying them. You know, you like you build an aluminum smelting plant and you're, you're not going anywhere quickly, but right. you've got all these servers you can pack up in the middle of the night. So that's really caused a uh, pretty significant drop off in the interest but it hasn't. I mean, there's still uh, some you know, steady interest in the in Central Washington. So I'll have to follow up on that. I mean, there have been some interesting developments. Like there's one Bitcoin mining company that secured a contract with a, a Canadian company that secured a contract with um, a dam, one of the hydroelectric plants in Central Washington. Uh, and then, which I, uh, yeah. So I, Micah, I will certainly follow up on that. It's it's something that I need to. Can I go back to and, and see what the the big picture is? So I appreciate the question and uh, yeah, look for more to come. And as always, please hit us up if you've got questions, comments, criticisms, what have you. Uh, we like to hear it all. Terrific. So that's it for me for this week. Abigail, yeah. do you have anything else? No, not not really. We're, I just got to get back to reporting. Like I said, Look for more uh, about the conference. Uh, Jason will be back in the office later this week. And uh, if there's anything terribly exciting, he'll be sure to put something up at CEM at News Data on Twitter as well. So, yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, yeah. So you can find us online, newsdata.com. You guys are at CEM News Data on Twitter. Clearing up is at CU news data on Twitter. Uh, so f- give us a follow. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. It helps us show up higher in the search results on Apple podcasts uh, or whatever podcast platform that you're listening to us with. And um, so that's it from me, Abigail. Uh, 
you want to take us out? Sure. Yeah. Look for us, like I said, and uh, thanks for listening. We're good to be on here and sort of getting to know folks virtually (laughs) and this one-sided medium. (laughs) So let's make it two-sided. Well, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Tweet at us and keep listening. And of course, take a look at the full coverage in our newsletters at Mm newsdata.com. See you here next week. Terrific. All right. Bye. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. <laughs>